Hello once again, everybody, and thank you for joining me here on this Tuesday, December 15th edition of ATS Radio. I'm your host, Adam Burke. I'll be joined today by Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. We're talking about all things Week 15 in the NFL, probably some more surprises along the way here on today's show. Over at ATS.io, picks, predictions, previews, all kinds of breakdowns for the college basketball season, the college football season with conference championship games here this weekend, and then also a bunch of coverage of Week 15 in the NFL. The NBA starts a week from tonight, so we'll be ramping up our NBA coverage over at the website as well. NHL not that far behind. UFC, another event here this week. Golf will be back after the new year, so we'll have plenty of stuff to talk about over at ATS.io for this week and in upcoming weeks as well. Make sure you download the ATS app, which you can find in the Google Play Store, in the Apple Store, or over at ATS.io. It's a bet tracker. It's an odd screen, full article integration from the website, then also a premium model where you can buy monthly or weekly subscriptions and get those analytics-driven picks in the ATS app, a pretty low cost for that. So we encourage you to download the app and make sure that you check that out. And of course, if you miss anything here on ATS Radio, you can find recaps of previous shows over at the website, or you can just simply subscribe to ATS Radio on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, wherever you stream and download your podcast content. With that, we bring on today's guest. That is Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how's it going today, man? All right, man. It's going good. We got quite a day. I love doing this thing with you. You're going to come on uh, Sports Grid Radio, Sportsbook Radio on Sports Grid Radio uh, later today at uh, 2 Eastern. So there'll be a lot of us together here in the morning. And I want to thank you. Uh, Adam did me a solid. We don't uh, actually, I should be looking for a sponsor. I get the Weather Channel to sponsor all these things I do because I do most 90% of the work I do from home. I do on the patio. And throughout the course of the year, you know, I'd be sitting out here in a bathing suit doing all my stuff. And today it's like in the low forties in Vegas, which feels like eight. And I'm, I'm full disclosure. I'm a big baby and I'm bundled up and, uh, you know, look like I could be doing this from an igloo. So Adam kindly is not doing a video segment today, but full disclosure, I'm a big baby because nobody needs to see this. Yeah, well, I can see it. You're, you're rocking the uh, you're rocking the pullover fleece there. You got oh, your- brother, let me tell you. You got your coffee trying to stay warm. I don't know, maybe uh, you can plug a hot plate into your laptop or something and uh, keep your coffee warm. But, and, but it's the funny thing is, I mean, you know, you're sitting there like, not today, and the weather's good in Cleveland, but, you, you know, we do these things, and you got to go out and shovel snow, and you're looking at me going, look at this character. Weather's good. <laughs> weather weather won't be good here until April. Uh, but yeah, I'm in. I'm in my. Was, house what was with the, What was with the field last night? It was like a skating rink. I have no idea. I've never really seen anything like that before in a Browns game. I I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it was the way they kind of manicured the grass, maybe trying to slow Lamar Jackson down or something. Obviously, it didn't work. They should. Oh, there you go. A better job of that. But uh, just put a, put a little but, ten. Put a little ten W forty over the field. What a game last night. Unbelievable. And, and obviously and the, and the beat, right? Everybody oh, will, everybody man. will talk about the beat, but from a but we'll get into that. But the, the game itself. The, um, the thing but, the thing that's always so funny about bad beats like that is usually somebody can sit there and say, Well, you should have gotten the best of the number and you wouldn't have had to worry about it. 
And every no. Browns number lost in that one, unless you but, teased them for whatever reason. Let me tell you why it shouldn't have happened. All right. I'll tell you a story. You in the mood for a story? Sure, why not? Um, years and years and years ago, the Bills are playing the Titans in the playoffs. So we're at a buddy's house. We got a house party going on. Rob Johnson was the quarterback. And the Bills started at like the eight-yard line the entire first half. I mean, they, they could have won the Super Bowl. They, their defense was so good. And they, they just couldn't get the field position. They couldn't. They had to play it safe and secure. And the defense, the defense held them in the game. They were only down a few points. So at halftime at his house party, uh, we're clowning around about being superstitious. So I tell, uh, I said, okay, we made a thing of it. So this my buddy had a statue, some goofy statue, and he went up and changed his outfit or whatever. So when he came down, I said, okay, he's right. You know, let's play this superstitious card. You know, everybody pick your spot. You got to stay there. I said, if the Bills return the second half kickoff beyond the 30, they're winning the game, winning this game. Well, they re- got to the 35 on the re- kick return. Everybody's like, yes, so, okay. Everybody stay in your same spots. So this game that goes the whole thing, Rob Johnson drives him down. Christie kicks the field goal. The Bills win the game with nine seconds to go, right? Everybody did the thing. So I'm telling the story. I said, let's do this. So then this guy walks up to me who I didn't know was at the thing. And he comes up to me and he goes, yeah, he goes, I'm like that too. He goes, I'm a Red Sox fan. He goes, in 86, he said, uh, I I watched the uh, Red Sox win game five on a watchman in the bathroom. He said, so for, and they won. So he said, so I watched all of game six in the bathroom with the watchman. He said, but they got to the ninth inning. He said, I've waited all these years for the Red Sox to win. I can't not see it in color. Or, so he left the bathroom in the ninth inning to watch the end of the the game that Bill Buckner played. And I'm like, look, I go, wait, are you a black cloud? You know, so, so, so sure enough, the Bills win the game. And then the Music City Miracle and, and, and Dyson's run or whatever, Kevin Dyson, right? He's running down the sideline on the Music City Miracle. And I look and this jackass is standing next to me who had been sitting over at this, you know, for like you know, the whole game. And now he's over by the bar with me. And I looked at him, and I said, I don't know you from Adam. I said, but you are the biggest black cloud in the world. And, and then the game last night, I am the, I'm the predictor of disasters, the Hale Murray. I'm watching with my wife. I go, and I'm explaining to her. I said, Nobody ever defends. I don't understand the NFL. These coaches are so stupid. When a team has no timeouts, why won't you put three defenders in 10-yard increments on the sideline? And then, and then line the goal line with guys. But defend the sideline. How many times do you see them give them the quick three-second, 10-yard out, 10-yard out, 10-yard out, and then the guy gets the field goal attempt. It's guard the sideline, make him do the middle of the field. So I'm explaining this whole thing to my wife, and, of course, they gave him the 10-yard out, the 10-yard out, to get him to the point where he could throw the hell Murray, and they won the game. And last night, I'm watching this nonsense. My wife's sitting with me again, and Lamar Jackson makes the play. This is for the bad beat people. Lamar Jackson makes the play, the pass, whatever, gets them into field goal range. They line up, and the clock's at like 11, 10, and I'm sitting there going, all right, I I know what he should do. He spikes it with seven seconds left. And I looked at my wife, and I said, he should have let it run down to three. And then 
this is before the plays. He should have let it run down to three. You kick the you kick the thing and go home because I'm always worried about the Music City Miracle. <laughs> I did a high school football game. We we do the game of the week on TV. I know that you didn't want this to be a fireside chat, but this is about five years ago. Imagine this. It's the game of the week. It's on TV. Big rivalry game here in Vegas. And a kid kicks like a 40-yard field goal with three seconds left. Tie game. The, the kid is the, the hero of his life. In the yearbook for the rest of his life, the kid kicks the field goal, wins the game with three seconds left. They line up to kick, and you're going to do the, the line drive squib kick. It, so the, the kid does the line drive squib kick, and it hits a kid, you know, 10 yards. Like He's just trying to hammer it down 30, 40 yards down the field as a squib. Hits the kid and doesn't bounce off. Hits him, and, and it drops. The kid falls on the ball. So now it's a high school game. There's three seconds left. So they got the ball at about midfield, and the, the quarterback goes back, roughing the passer. They get another untimed down, another personal foul, and they get the field goal to tie the game and go to overtime. Like, it's amazing. If there's a second left on the clock, it is amazing how the goofy things that can happen. That play never should have happened. Lamar Jackson should have ran that clock down to three. Tucker Fields kicks the field goal, and you go home. No, I absolutely agree. And a uh, great story there about uh, about that Bills game. It's Oh, I if I ever saw this guy, I swear to God, I'd still I'd, I'd hit him right in the Adam's apple. Before I, I said hello to him, I hit him in the throat. I don't blame you. I mean, look, you know, it's it's funny because uh, Dave Sherpan at Sportsbook Consigliere on Twitter, uh, you know, he was kind of going back and forth with some Browns fans and stuff. He's, he's a Pittsburgh guy. He was kind of going back and forth with some Browns fans on Twitter yesterday, and, and I just replied to him, and I'm like, look, man, like I'm from Cleveland where we hope for the best and plan for the worst, and I know you know what that's like being from Buffalo, and it's just, man, it's, you know, it's not even that the Browns lost that game because it never really felt like it was going to be a guarantee or anything like that. But it was simply the fact that they lose the game and then also lose the push or lose the cover for anybody who waited out a three and a half in that one, or, you know, bought the half point or whatever. Just how much, what do you think the money amount was? I mean, half the country's got the, half the country's sitting on three. So it's a, it's a push. So you get, you know, half the country gets the miracle win and there's story to tell half the people get their head ripped off and then the you know those that had the plus three and a half are sitting there going did that really just happen well the thing that's nuts about that game too and i promise we'll move on from this here in a second but like well that's what everybody's talking about (laughs) if if trace mcsorley doesn't go down yeah does lamar jackson all of a sudden come running out of the locker room i mean they didn't have another quarterback you know robert griffin the third's hurt too so they no, didn't and, have another quarterback that it had to go wildcat or something like that. So McSorley's down and down long enough for Lamar Jackson to run out of the locker room and then make that ridiculous fourth and five play. But if McSorley doesn't get hurt, mm-hmm. I don't think well, Jackson comes back out and maybe the Browns win that game. I, you're I right. And by the way, I feel bad for McSorley because uh, he looked good. He really did look good. He threw a pass this Mar- this Marquise Brown guy. I'm through. I-, I can't believe he caught the fourth and five pass. He didn't drop that, but McSorley looked good. He threw a pass that Brown dropped the previous series, and he was moving them, and then he slipped and fell. But you- the other thing about that is that when McSorley went down, 
the amount of time it bought for Jackson to get out there. It wasn't like, oh, okay, he twisted an ankle and he got up and Lamar Jackson came running out. He was he was down, and they were working on him. So he was down for a while, and then Jackson grabbed his helmet and come running out. If that was, you know, if he just tweaked his ankle or something, I don't know that there would have been enough time for Jackson even, even to come back out there. Right, and it's it's not like I don't I think Baltimore still had a timeout at the time, but it's not like they would have wanted to blow it on that. You know, they I don't know if they would have called timeout if somebody would have told Harbaugh, "Hey, Lamar's coming back." You know, I I don't know. It was just well, uh, so it, it it sucks for Browns fans. You know, but but the game itself, Baltimore, if they lost that game, man, I mean, they're going to be dangerous now. I mean, they Jackson. I'm trying to envision this. The Cowboys blitzed him left and right, and he made plays with his feet. I thought Cleveland was pretty aggressive against him, too. And I I really I think the way to defend this guy is to rush three guys and just you know, make him be a quarterback. He's gonna make his plays. But if if you know you the first guy's not getting him down. And I, I thought the blueprint was there to really make this guy struggle. And the Cowboys, and I, and then again, I thought the Browns, they were sending people. They were getting a good push from, from their defensive line. But um, the other thing, though, for the Browns, they're, they're dangerous. They're dangerous with I, – I'd make the case Hunt's better than Chubb. <laughs> I really would. And maybe it's just a flat-out coin flip. But, boy, when you can have a back of that caliber in there at all times, uh, that's that's something special. And why why are they – does it seem they're a better team since OBJ went out? Because they are. I mean, Baker doesn't have to force-feed OBJ anymore. And, and, I mean, look, the pick by Bowser last night was an exceptional play. And, mm-hmm. and Baker made the wrong read. Chubb made the right read. He knew that guy wasn't coming – he went and picked up the rusher on the other side. So he read it faster than Baker did. But I mean, that guy made a phenomenal play. It's the first pick that Baker's thrown since targeting OBJ on his last one against Cincinnati, like five, six games ago. The offense just hums a lot better without OBJ, without having to force the ball to him to make him happy. And to your Chubb and Hunt point, Chubb's a far better runner. Hunt's a really good receiver. I don't really love the way Hunt runs the football necessarily. I like the way Chubb runs it, but they've got a lot of creativity with those two guys out mm-hmm. there, and, and that's uh, it's it's incredible. No, I'm, it's it's they really really are, uh, they got something going there, and you know it, what, what does it mean moving forward here? I think that's you know a couple of the games we're going to talk about is maybe you watch, you know, both of these teams this week, like after playing in that game. <laughs> What are they going to do this week? I mean, if you're talking a letdown spot, it, it ex- the Browns are in good shape. The Ravens got to keep winning. Well, and that's the thing, too. You know, last week or last night, you know, Peters goes down for Baltimore. He's kind of in and out of the game. Jackson with the cramping, I'm sure he'll be okay. Uh, you know, we saw their offensive line deficiencies are there for the Ravens right now with some of the guys that they lost from last season. The Browns, Miles Garrett got banged up. Uh, Jedrick Wills was hobbling around a little bit in that game. He did come back, but you know, he obviously wasn't a hundred percent. Now you're on a short week and for Baltimore here, I think it's interesting because look, they're a two touchdown favorite against Jacksonville total 46 and a half Jaguars going back to Gardner Minshew, which you know is going to be pretty interesting for them. 
But Jacksonville, they haven't quit. They haven't quit on Doug Marone. They're still playing hard. They're still a pretty competitive team for the most part. I mean, I, I don't know how you could possibly take Baltimore minus 14 in that game. I think it's Jacksonville or nothing, and, and maybe it's nothing, but I don't know how you justify taking Baltimore coming off of, of what they had to do on Monday night, coming off of playing on Tuesday the week before against Dallas, all the COVID stuff. I just I feel like Baltimore is in complete win and get the hell out of their mode this week. Well, the crazy thing about Jacksonville, Adam, is they throw clunkers, but then they do show the ability to bounce back, and you saw it firsthand. They got stomped by the Steelers 27-23, then came back and gave the Browns all they could handle 27-25. So, you know, Jacksonville's one of these teams like, you know, what do I do with these guys? And you're like, you know, it was have they run for the bus? I don't think they ran for the bus because Tennessee beat them 31-10. But that was Tennessee. That Remember we had talked last week. I said, I learned more about Tennessee and the loss to Cleveland than I would if they'd have beat Cleveland. And remember, because they were way down at the half, and they had no quit in them. They didn't have an ounce of quit in them and fought back in that game. And they just carried that second half from the Cleveland game in and just punched Jacksonville in the mouth. With the air out of the balloon, I, I think Jacksonville actually absolutely is competitive in this game. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's the only way that I could look. And again, you know, you've got a line of 14 here with a total of 46 and a half. So a lower scoring expectation in this game. And you know, I also was not the least bit impressed with Lamar Jackson throwing the football last night. And I don't know if Jacksonville is going to have anybody that can stop him. The Browns back seven is a mess right now, especially with some of the guys they're missing at the safety position and at corner. They have Denzel Ward and, um, and Harrison in that game last night. Maybe it goes a little bit different for them defensively. They had some penalties early on in the game. They had some, uh, just some blown assignments, missed tackles, guys just lost in space, all that kind of thing. I don't know if Baltimore plays a more structured brand of, or if Jacksonville plays a more structured brand of defense or anything like that next week. But also if I'm Baltimore, you know, and I've kind of seen people talking about this a little bit with regards to Patrick Mahomes, like you only run the quarterback when you absolutely have to. And last night, Baltimore had to run Lamar Jackson because they were getting nothing in the passing game. The, next week, I'm not getting Jackson hit a lot. You know, I know that he kind of scrambled around against Dallas on Tuesday night, scrambled around a lot against Cleveland. He has not been running the football much this season. I don't think they want him getting hit 15 or 20 times in that game between pressures and between carries. So I think Baltimore is going to try and run the ball with Dobbins and Edwards and Ingram and all that. And I think that helps Jacksonville hang around a little bit too. So I kind of like the plus 14 on the Jags here. I, I don't know if I'll lock this one in for the Circa or anything like that, but uh, it is on my short list here for week 15. I don't know what you said after you said lost in space. They, 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 that brought back a fond memory. You put a smile on my face. You're too young. Did you even know there was a TV show called Lost in Space? I've heard of it. Never seen oh, it. Oh, okay. You got, uh, 1965 to 1968. In my prime, pre-COVID, I used to play a lot of bar trivia. So I, I know a lot of useless things uh, in a lot of ways, but uh, that's a show that I've never well been able to tune into. All right, so <laughs> the other side of the game here, Cleveland and the Giants, who now play Sunday Night Football. This one flexed into the primetime spot on NBC here. Not a big surprise. I mean, Cleveland's a team that, you know, has kind of a lot of national attention. And, of course, the Giants in that New York, New Jersey metro area. Big ratings expected for this one. 
The Browns not seeing a line posted across the market here, but it looks like three and a half or four was kind of the number going into last night. Three and a half, three and a half, 45 and a half. All right. Three and a half, 45 and a half here. And, you know, there was an interesting point that you brought up before we started recording here today. I think it's a good starting point for this game. Well, the game gets, first of all, it's a letdown spot for Cleveland. And the Giants are still breathing. Well, not only are they still breathing, but they would own the tiebreaker. But the fact that this game gets flexed to Sunday night, now the Giants will know if Seattle beat Washington. And then that means they'll know if they win, they actually move into first place in the NFC East. They'll have the tiebreaker. I mean, not that they wouldn't be motivated with three weeks to go a game back, but they, I mean, they would have a real bounce in their step. Wouldn't you think if Seattle beats Washington? Yeah, I would certainly think so. I think it's definitely an angle to consider here for this game. And you know, with the Browns, I mean, I, there have been a lot of people on, on social media and, and all of that already saying that, you know, this Brown season isn't about moral victories. And the team is saying that same thing here coming off of that loss, but you know what? That was the first game in a while last night where they trailed big, where things weren't really going well for them, where you kind of felt like they had the chance of getting run off the field at some points in the first half of that game. And they didn't, you know, they made adjustments. They gave up that second half touchdown in the opening possession and still found a way to be in the game, tie it late, of course, lose to future Hall of Famer Justin Tucker. But the Browns showed a lot to me in that game. And now they've got to go on a short week, go play another very important game where yeah, they have the Jets on deck and they should win that game. And if they do, they'll most likely make the playoffs. But they can remove all doubt probably this weekend with a win yeah, against the Giants. It's just – it's a spot that they're not really accustomed to. And it's a spot where the first-year head coach and Stefanski, some newer coordinators in, in Van Pelt and Woods, that they're not necessarily accustomed to either. So I'm really interested to see how the Browns come out in the first half of this game, where, as you said, the Giants you know, could be supremely motivated uh, if yeah. Washington loses early on. It's not a game I'm going to bet. I can tell you that right off the top. But I'll be, you know, obviously watching, very interested to see what the Browns look like coming off of a loss they put so much into. Well, you know, here's the thing. You could shoot holes at who the Browns have played this year. I mean, throw out the opener. Baltimore kills everybody in the opener every year. Cincy, Washington, Dallas, when they, they, they were all horrible. Uh, beat Indy. That's a you know, quality win. Killed by the Steelers. Barely beat barely beat Cincy, uh, lost to the Raiders in a horrible weather game, barely beat Houston, barely beat the Eagles, barely beat the Jags, the big win against Tennessee where they took their foot off the pedal. But then this game, you know, against a highly motivated team, they put on a show and, and they played well. So I think even though they lost this game, I come away with a, a better feeling for Cleveland that, yeah, forget, don't worry about who they'd play. They can, they get, they got a shot against anybody. I mean, they've got the weapons They they can play with anybody. And like you said, you know, they're going to make the playoffs. You got the giants, the jets and the Steelers, but the punch to the gut was all of a sudden with Pittsburgh losing two in a row, they actually had sugar plums dancing in their head that they could still win the division. And had they won that game, 
I mean, a realistic chance, maybe, uh, to get as high as they could have maybe have gotten as high as the two seed, uh, depending on what Pittsburgh and Buffalo would do ahead of it. So now they're kind of locked in. You know, they're going to make the playoffs. You're solid. You're going to be a wild card team. I kind of think they know their fate. Uh, and I just, I think this is a horrible spot for them. I really do. It's an out of conference game. And, and if they lose it, it's not going to be the end of the world. And then they come back and they step on the Jets next week, and, and they've secured a spot in the playoffs. But it, it's it's just a bad spot. It, it really is. Now, are the who's the better team? There's no question who the better team is. But the Giants are literally a desperate team. It, it's a playoff game for the Giants. Plus, throwing this thing on Sunday night is also a really bad thing for Cleveland. You know, if that's just a day game, you know, but the fact that the Giants will know what happened with Washington. I mean, I mean you know, honestly, either way, Adam, they're going to, you know, they're going to know. They're going, oh, my God, Washington upset Seattle. We, I mean, <laughs> either way, it's a playoff game for the Giants. And and, and the fact that it would be a move to the night, I, I don't think helps Cleveland's case at all. I would say this to you. If everybody starts thinking that way during the week, Threes are going to surface, I think. So if you like if you like the Giants, again, we always talk about this on this podcast. It, it, you know, who you bet is you want the right side. I hate the word value. There's no value in ripping up a ticket. Yeah, I get the bet. I, I had value. Yeah, did you win? No. And so what, what does that word mean? Uh, it, it drives me insane. But when you bet, sometimes, it's, well, you just saw, you just saw it on the, on the Browns game. You know, it was three, and at the tail end, it was three and a half. Game sitting on three. Well, I got to push out of the deal, you know, well, until the stupid play. So when you bet matters. So if you like the Giants, if you, you're nuts not to bet them now. Because if, if three surface, you're going to go, damn, I could have had the hook. The only thing I guess I would argue is that also, too, you know, the Browns are going to have a lot more clarity on the AFC playoff picture as well. So, you know, they'll kind of know sort of like where a team like Vegas stands, where Indianapolis stands, you know, stuff like that. So they'll have an idea of that themselves, which, you know, could kind of dictate maybe how they show in this game. I don't know. The one thing I will say in the Browns' favor is that, as we all saw on display last night, as we've seen throughout most of the season, their defense is not great. Their defense is is actually pretty below average in a lot of ways. You've got Miles Garrett, Denzel Ward's a pretty good player. Other than that, and Olivier Vernon – they don't really have a ton to work with. Baltimore can exploit that. I don't know if the Giants and and Daniel Jones can. So that would be the one saving grace, I think, for Cleveland here is that I think their offense is good enough to score on anybody. Their defense will struggle against better offenses, but can shut down some of the lesser offenses. So maybe that's something that helps Cleveland a little bit here in this one. But I think there are better betting opportunities on the board. Yeah, there are. Oh, by the way, I was thinking of you. I, you know, I love you, bud, but I'm like, <laughs> I like, I watch all these games and I don't know why, just because you like to argue with me, <laughs> I watch all these games and I'm always thinking of you, um, but if the Browns, the Browns go for two, I go, here we go. Here we go. And his analytics crap. It was the right call. <laughs> oh, come on. Then Yeah. Okay. Hunt, you go in the end zone. I'll throw it off your shoulder pads to the guys seven yards behind you. Okay. 
This analytics nonsense. Over the it's love not, of God. It's not nonsense. I mean, it's backed by Matt. It, it's statistically relevant. I mean, it was the right call, and they were winning that game at one point because of going for two. So, you know. Yeah. I know. But it, but if, if what should have happened is, is Hunt doesn't catch the ball, now you're sitting there, and that's a two-possession game. And, you know, we're not looking at the greatest – Monday night finish we've seen in a decade. Well, I mean, they were still only down eight if they didn't get the two. So let's go for two. Well, all right. I know. I know you don't like it. I know you don't like it. I the math math is out there. The the math. Okay. All right. Then, then, all right. Then let me ask you this. This is a sports betting thing. Are, Are key numbers, key numbers anymore? I mean, the, there has been a, a pretty big shift. I mean, you know, it was written about. I think, I we, get, we, get the, we get the we get the missed extra points that are a thing. Yep. I mean, the, the Parky kid. I mean, he needed a diaper kicking that last extra point. But I mean, so we get missed extra points, and then we get these guys that cavalierly out of nowhere go. Um, you know, some guy with Coke bottle glasses. You know, in a boiler room in Toledo says I should go for two here. Five has become a much more important number in the NFL than it ever was before. That's one that's definitely, you know, because as we used to talk about games between four and six being in the dead zone. Now games land on five with you know, a much higher level of frequency than they ever used to. So yeah, key numbers are, are definitely changing. I mean, you still want to be on the right side of three and seven, but you know, getting five and a half instead of five is more important than it used to be getting four and a half instead of minus five. That's more important than it used to be. So there are more numbers that are getting involved. Um, you know, I think seven has gone down a little bit in terms of how key a number that is. Uh, but, you know, I think three is still pretty important. But, you know, four, five, six, things like that, they're kind of popping up a little bit more here as teams are embracing the analytics more. And, of course, as extra points are, are being missed with much higher frequency. Oh, by the way, just, just throw this out real quick. All, all things with how that had ended, it just got washed away. But you're a Browns guy. How helpless of a feeling it was. It was a 55-yard kick with with Tucker. I mean, literally, I mean, aren't you just sitting there going like, there there ain't no way he's missing this. I mean, that's like an extra point for him. How clutch is that guy? Oh, yeah. It's it's like like hoping Mariano Rivera blew a save. Like, it's just, I mean, that thing was dead center and good from like 70. Mm -hmm. On a day where the wind was not as bad as they forecasted it to be. But, you know, I know from experience being down there that kicking into the dog pound end is not – it cannot be any fun. I mean, I've seen – Oh, yeah, no, it's Cleveland. It's a 55-yarder in Cleveland. Oh, yeah. And it, he stuck it from, like, 70. Well, you know, if you think about it – and, I mean, I'm old enough. But you, you're, you're getting old. When, you, when you're watching guys, do you ever find yourself taking the time – like, I was there for the – Bill's four-year run out there every day covering the team. And you're sitting there and you're going, oh, that's a Hall of Famer, that's a Hall of Famer, that's a Hall of Famer. And, and you're watching these games, and I'm telling you right now, they're, they're, this weekend alone, there are three guys we're watching, three sure-shot first-ballot Hall of Famers we're watching right now. And not not counting quarterbacks. We know about Breeze and Rodgers and Brady, and the, but not counting quarterbacks. Sure-fire, first-ballot Hall of Famers. Aaron Donald's on his way to being one of the greatest defensive linemen ever. Uh, Tucker, we saw that last night. I mean, kicker, probably not first ballot, but he's a Hall of Famer. And 
I'm telling you, with each passing week, Travis Kelsey is unbelievable. You you cannot cover this guy. And run after the catch is remarkable with this guy. I mean, he's not, he's not like a reindeer. He's just a bulldozer with speed and moves. But yeah, I think Kelsey, Kelsey could be a first ballot Hall of Famer when, when this is all said and done. The numbers this guy's putting up are just stupid. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're they're ridiculous. And and I think more tight ends have a better shot as we go forward here with how much teams are using the tight end. Tucker, yeah, I was I was actually texting with my boss throughout the game. I'm like, this guy's a Hall of Famer. Like, he's 31 oh, yeah. years old. He's already a Hall of Famer. Dude's 92% lifetime on field goals. No, I mean, I mean, honestly, from the kicker's perspective, I mean, Vinatieri will get in, and then I think Tucker would, you know, when his days are done, would get in. That'd be it. Those two. All right, let's run through a few more games here before we sign off for today's show. And uh, the Thursday night game, Vegas and the Chargers, three with extra juice or three and a half, 53 the total. Vegas, home favorite, gotta have it game. But you don't see any must-win inflation put into this number. I mean, Vegas absolutely has to win this game. This line is not shaded. You're not paying a premium. None of that. I think you look at what Vegas has done the last three weeks here, and the market is genuinely concerned about where this team sits right now. Yeah, and I mean, how can you, in good conscience, step up to the plate and and play these guys under the total? Their secondary, when healthy, gives up big plays. They can't stop the run, and then they were mangled. I know that was one of the games we did a video last week. We talked about it on the podcast. That was a gift. Uh, the over in, in the game with Indies, Rivers will shred them. And the Raiders can score. But, you know, the other thing, Derek Carr, back into the season, Adam, he's he's making great plays, but he's also having, you know, the brain cramp or two that's like not just a turnover, it's instant points. So that's a bit troublesome. Now you change the defensive coordinator, fire him, and Marinelli knows what he's doing. And maybe he could have an impact on these guys in the home stretch. But literally, he's going to have two practices to change things up against the the Chargers. And then, listen, the Chargers are coming in here. This whole season was about developing the kid, and Herbert's been terrific. And honestly, they should have won how many more games than they did? I mean, just gut-wrenching loss after gut-wrenching loss. But they found a way way to win a close game against uh, Atlanta. So, you know, the Chargers probably coming in here feeling, you know, pretty good about themselves. I, and I, the Raiders, the Raiders, you know, they don't kid yourself, though. The Raiders, they beat the Chiefs, and they, they went right down to the wire with them. The Raiders can play with anybody. It's just you can't trust them. The one thing I think you can trust is they can score, but they can't stop anybody. So, I, I, to me, I'm looking at the point of going over the total. Yeah, I think so too. And and I think to some degree, the Chargers have been hurt a little bit because SoFi Stadium's playing surface is very slow. It's a plotting type of track. We've actually seen totals kind of be shaded down a little bit or bet down in the market in Chargers and Rams home games this year with that playing surface in mind. That will not be the case at Allegiant Stadium. So I think even though we've seen the line come down a little bit on the total here from 55 to 53, I do think the over, probably about the only thing you can look at in that Thursday night game. The Saturday games, you did a video for us over on our ATS YouTube page. I encourage everybody to check that out. But what do you think about your bills here laying a pretty healthy number, six and a half or seven 
on the road at Denver with a total going up now sitting 50. Yeah. You know, it's tough because, you know, the way the bills are playing, um, it's tough to go against them, but here's the thing. You played the Steelers on a Sunday night and you've got New England, even though the division's in the cookie jar or New England's out of it, you've got a, another game with New England coming up and, and the Bills have run a mini gauntlet. But if, if it weren't for the Hale Murray thing, and it pains me to even just, you know, say it because it has a name, when things have a name, it usually happened against the Bills. Or the Browns. Yeah, you know, but I mean, go back and look what these guys have done. And, and you know, I can't win for losing, right? I mean, I, I, have, I didn't play the Bills. I played the Bills on the side uh, against the Steelers. And I played the total in the Niners game. I'm trying to think, the last time I bet the Bills on the side I think was the Seahawks game. And they, so I always, oh, well, you you picked Buffalo. I, I hate people when they just like, really? Give me an ounce of credit here. You know, I mean, I watch every play of these guys. But I don't bet them blindly. But if you throw the Hale Murray thing out, they should have won, what are we now talking, seven in a row. And the loss, and then they had lost two in a row. And it was an ugly game, but they had a chance to get the ball back and win against Kansas City. And they play, They lost at Tennessee in that COVID nonsense when Tennessee was mad at the world. But the, but the thing is, no one remembers that in week four, you know, Josh Allen was going nuts and he's in the MVP discussion. He popped his shoulder out in the game against the Raiders. He got knocked out of the game, had to go to the locker room. And he came back and finished the game and they beat the Raiders. The next three weeks, he was wearing a brace. He was hurt. Allen played hurt in the games they lost. And look what he's doing again. He's healthy again. Their defense is getting healthy with Milano and Edmonds. Look out, man. They're, they're playing really good. That being said, this is kind of a quirky spot. Denver's feeling good. Locke had a good game last week. I get a funny feeling Locke comes back to earth. Short week. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think it's under, I think it's a, it's, it'll be close, but I think the totals a touch on the high side here. I think the bills will force turnovers with lock. I don't see lock, you know, having another four touchdown game. And I think the bills have a little letdown spot here after that big win against the Steelers. So I'm, you know, I think, I think the numbers may be getting out of control here. What, what did it open five? And we're, we're, the way it's going, it's going to get the seven. I wouldn't be laying seven. That's for doggone sure. I think under 50 is the way to go. Yeah, I kind of agree with the total going up a little bit in this one. Just because the weather forecast in Denver doesn't look bad. Sunny skies, mid 40s. And the altitude factor where there is an adjustment for a quarterback because the ball will travel a little bit further in altitude. But Josh Allen played at Wyoming which is the highest elevation in Division I college football. Of course, played in the Mountain West Conference. He's plenty accustomed to playing in altitude. I'm sure it'll be something that comes back to him pretty easily. And he's been exceptional in games where the weather hasn't been a factor. So I, I understand and agree with the line going up a little bit. What's hard for me is figuring out the side because 
it is in a great spot for Buffalo. Uh-huh. They are getting healthy, but they've played, as you said, a pretty tough schedule of late. They've got the New England game next week. You know, they've got that cushion in the division right now, so they've got a little bit of margin for error. I just don't know if I want to take Denver here because, as you said, Locke could turn the football over. And if Locke turns the football over and we're suddenly starting to get a little bit of a higher scoring expectation with that total moving up, the implication would be if Locke turns it over, Buffalo turns it into points. So if the Bills get extra possessions out of this game, that's how they cover the six and a half. So, again, probably not a game that I'm going to have too much action on, but uh, you know, I think it's a very intriguing handicap in a lot of ways. Yeah, and then one more case for the under, though. And I would just say this. Denver had gone under the total four games in a row uh, before the game against the Panthers. And at altitude, I, I do. I think the Bills – you know, focus will be a little bit of a thing for them. And I think McDermott does a good job. But again, it's a letdown spot. Buffalo's got, this kid flies under the radar, Borkowitz, the punter. I mean, these are moonshots this guy kicks. And at altitude, you know, I think he'll be changing field position. And I think they're going to be a lot of long drives required from from both teams. Because I think Denver's defense is pretty good. I, I just have a weird feeling and the other thing I could see, and I think you've got to at least consider these kind of things when you're handicapping games. You know, Buffalo wants to win, but basically, say they, they're going to, you're going to win the division. Um, and it, it, they're in great shape, obviously, to do that. But they've got to get the running game going. And I wonder if they don't make that the focal point of this game is to get their running game going. And, uh, you know, they'll do whatever the defense is going to give them. Well, you're now to the point where Josh Allen is slinging it all over creation. So I think teams are going to start playing nickel and dime defense against them all the time. And I think it's imperative that they get Singletary and Moss going. And I think they come in here uh, with running the football as the game plan. That's what they did against New England. It was the one game this year where the running game won the game. And I think that'll be their focus coming in. And then the other thing you got to look forward to, I believe this. Once once teams are locked in, say the, the, the Bills win this game and the, the division's, like, secure. I mean, I'm considering maybe not playing guys more than a half in week 16 and week 17. And say they've got the division one before the Dolphins get there at the end. If I'm the Bills, I you know, I met Barkley maybe starting the game. I, I think you're going to see a lot of teams because and I had an, a friendly argument with some guys on Twitter saying, you know, the seeding and the seeding, what's the difference? You know, if you're the three seed, what's the difference between playing Tennessee, Indianapolis, or Baltimore? Really, what's the difference? You know, to me, with no fans and where you play them, I don't care. There are no fans at these games. So I think a lot of teams are going to be resting guys in week 16 and week 17. I really do. I think it's definitely a possibility across the board here. And uh, speaking of across the board, we look at Sunday. We talked about Jacksonville, Baltimore, and Cleveland and the Giants already. We'll definitely talk Kansas City, New Orleans as a you know huge game here this week. But as far as anything else on the card for Sunday or the uh, – awful Monday nighter between Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. What else are you kind of looking at here in week 15? Well, I'm convinced, and this is a bet of today. 
I'm convinced this gets to three. It's sitting at two and a half. San Francisco at Dallas. Listen, Andy Dalton was going back to Cincinnati. So even though it's a dog's breakfast in Dallas, they played hard for Andy Dalton and the Bengals can't get out of their own way, you know, through no fault of their own with injuries. So Dallas beats Cincinnati. San Francisco, now they could walk in here immensely deflated. The season was a wash, you know, with the injuries. I thought they were going to regress to begin with, and I can't even say I was right because it was nothing more than injuries. But I think if San Francisco comes in here mad at the world uh, that they felt like they'd gotten back in the thing and now they're out of it again, I, I could see them pumping Dallas. I, I just that Dallas defense is a disaster. You know, Cincinnati can't get a first down. I, I think this number gets to three for sure. So I like San Fran. I'm betting them today. Yeah, and, and that's one too. San Francisco last week gave up two defensive touchdowns. Nick Mullins was awful in that game against Washington. Uh, they but held- isn't he? Isn't he Jekyll and Hyde though? Oh you, yeah. You watch, you watch some of these games, bud, and he. Oh, he throws to Ayuk and he throws to Samuel or what? I mean, there there are some games that I got to know where he's got awful. And then the next week he goes and he throws for 350. Yeah, and, and I sort of, you know, kind of wonder about Dallas and, and where their where their mindset kind of is right now, where, you know, they had the, the really tough Thanksgiving game with the passing of Marcus Paul. And then you, you just sort of wonder, like they've given McCarthy allegedly a vote of confidence and said, well, you know, we're not making any changes. And the players were very vocal about not really liking Mike McCarthy, not feeling like they were prepared for games, all that kind of thing early on in the season. Maybe last week was just a function of the fact that Cincinnati right now is on the level of the New York Jets. So I think it's it's fair to make that argument. I'm kind of looking over a little bit in the game. I think that Dallas has got some skill position talent that can shine against a lot of different defenses, even though San Francisco is a pretty good one, but I agree with you. This side definitely appears to be going to three, and, and I don't think it'll come back down off of it. And then Washington and the current form thing, real quick. It's funny. You might be say the ability to look ahead. In, in a fa- I'm in a fantasy league. Do you, are you in fantasy? No. You hate it? No, I, I just I don't have time for it. Well, I mean, it can be worth your while. It depends the league you're in. Can be. But you know. Yeah. It, okay. I mean, it depends what you're what you're playing for, um, but honestly, I, I the fantasy thing to me helps me with handicapping, and because I'm watching games that are you know technically over, you know even in relation to the spread, but not in the fantasy, um, and I made a move in the league I'm in. Is you draft a team, but you're not drafting their defense; you're drafting a team. And you get the points they win by, and you have, you have to handicap the team. You have to say, I'm playing this team to win or I'm playing this team to lose. So you, if, if you pick a team to win and they lose by 17, you lose 17 points. So you, you better get it right. It's an important thing. And about six weeks ago, I picked up Seattle, even though I wasn't playing Seattle for weeks down the road, knowing that they had – the Jets, the Redskins, and the Giants on their schedule. So I and I actually won the week, which is well worth winning this week. I won the week because Seattle won by 37. It helped me win the week with all the side stuff that's going on. 
So I've got a real rooting interest for Seattle to do it again. And this was my plan way back when. And Seattle is motivated. And everybody's loving this Washington thing. And rightly so. Their defense is is terrific. Uh, But Seattle's defense is getting better. Since they got Dunlap and Jamal Adams is is going nuts. And Wilson just hit hit a wall. He was like, what's going on with him? Well, Okay, I know it was the Jets, and everybody's going to shoot holes in it that it was the Jets. But I wonder if, you know, you look at Washington, the teams they've been shutting down, they beat the Redskins, or they beat the uh, Cowboys, right, on Thanksgiving Day. All right, Andy Dalton, he is not a mobile quarterback. Uh, They beat uh, uh, last week Mullins. They, They get two defensive touchdowns, but they couldn't score themselves. And everybody's in love with Washington right now. I'm wondering if that number is way lower than it should be. And I wonder if Wilson's mobility will create some big plays that Seattle gets out in front in this game and you force Alex Smith to do more than dink and dunk. And I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, Washington can win the game outright, but there's just something telling me if Seattle gets in front here and gets away from them and forces Washington to be one-dimensional, this might not be a game that gets away from Washington. Yeah, this this line has gone up a little bit. It was four, four and a half early in the week, now pretty much painted six across the market here. Uh, I want to ask you about this New England and Miami game real quick with Miami laying just two and a half, total 41 and a half, very low total here. Uh, Belichick going up against former defensive coordinator Brian Flores, New England, you know, we know what they're trying to do offensively. Some weeks they can do it, some weeks they can't. You would think being able to run the football would take Miami's really good secondary, at least out of the equation to a degree here in this game. But I think a lot of people are going to look at this slide and think it looks really cheap. But at the same time, there has been some New England support early in the week here. Okay. I don't see any way to look at this game other than play the under. And by the way, how many weeks ago, Adam? I don't know. You archived these things. We got we nailed this one, and that is with New England. You don't know what you're going to get, but you can sit there and rack up dough, betting them at halftime. We've said this nine weeks ago. You could see it. If they're ahead, play them because they got control of the game. Uh, Belichick's dialed something up good defensively and New England can play with the lead. If New England's behind Newton ain't bringing them back. So, you know, you got halftime, you just jump in. If New England's ahead, play them. If they're behind fade them. And it's been a license to print money. But if you want to draw a parallel, it's look what Belichick did to Justin Herbert, a rookie quarterback. You know, Belichick's going to dial something up here and it's going to frustrate the Tua kid. And I just see maybe maybe they move the ball between the 20s, both teams. But that Dolphins defense is, is terrific. If Newton doesn't produce instant points for Miami's defense, the field goal kickers are going to be real busy in this game. Yeah, I think that's a good handicap there. Not a lot of sides I like this week. Quite a few totals I like, which you know, doesn't really help me. Uh, for the Circus Sports Million here. But one last one, and this one is moving as we're recording here. Kansas City and New Orleans, and there appears to be someone with some pretty decent influence in the betting market out there. 
that likes New Orleans in this game. It's come off of four, it's down to three and a half. And in fact, Pinnacle, which is one of the sharpest of the global books, all the way down to three now with Kansas City, a road favorite against New Orleans, total 51 and a half. Somebody out there likes the Saints, Brian. Well, why not? I mean, this, honestly, we, we say this, you know, every year there's a game or two, but I mean, there's a real opportunity for this to be a Super Bowl preview. I mean, the, you know, KC's everybody's favorite and New Orleans and Green Bay seem to be the class of the NFC. So this could be a Super Bowl preview. And the difference being is when they, if they played in the Super Bowl, it's going to be Drew Brees at quarterback, not Taysom Hill. Now, I, my understanding was, unless something's happened in the last little bit, that they weren't rushing Brees back and it's going to be Taysom Hill. But I, I wonder if this money, if if any, is there any word out there that maybe there's something about Brees coming back? But either way, that's, that's what I was just looking at. Said he might return to practice this week. Is what? Oh, there you go. Here. Okay, I mean, see, we're not, we're dumb, but we're not stupid. I mean, so maybe there's indications that Breeze is going to play. I, I honestly, in this in this particular instance, if Breeze returned, I'd be less inclined to play the Saints. Yeah. I think it stands to reason fair. he's got to shake off some rust. Yeah, you know, I, 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 hey, Drew Breeze is coming back. Okay, well, he couldn't stretch the field to begin with, and by the way, Taysom Hill was the is the guy that's got Michael Thomas involved in the offense again. And Hill's got some limitations, you know, throwing it downfield, but he's been terrific, you know, and give Peyton credit. By the way, this is the most resilient team in football. I mean, all these grisly losses they had in the playoffs, at some point you say, enough. They they keep coming. They're the closest thing. I mean, it's a remarkable thing. I mean, they're the closest thing I've ever seen to the Bills, The, the, the team that went to the Super Bowl four years in a row and lost, and they're a punchline, which is a sin. Because that will never happen again. But they just had something about them where they were willing to, they, they just kept coming back for more. And we, 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 we got to try to finish this thing. New Orleans, back to back years, they had the Diggs thing, right? Where they got their heart ripped out. And then they had the pass interference thing against the Rams. And those were teams capable of winning the Super Bowl. And they never pouted or anything. They just come back and let's do it again. I mean, this New Orleans team is the most resilient team we've seen in the last 10 years. A lot of good NFL thoughts here on today's show with Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Hotline. And Brian, how can people check out those two shows of yours? All right, bud. Uh, so KSHP.com, we get the listen live function is always there. My Twitter at Brian Blessing, we archive all the stuff. And we're on the Sports Grid Radio Network now. I added an extra hour that Mr. Burke will be on today. Uh, so from 11, well, so let's see, 2 to 4 Eastern time and 11 to 1 Pacific time, we're on the Sports Grid Radio Network. So you can get it that at sportsgrid.com. And then on January 7th, we'll be on Sirius Channel 204. So that'll be pretty cool. And then if you're a hockey fan, we're waiting, waiting. It's got to happen today, tomorrow, the next the clock's ticking kids. If you think you're starting January 13th and you don't make an announcement today or tomorrow, that ain't happening. Uh, but we do Vegas hockey hotline uh, with great guests from around the hockey world. We had doc Emmerich on last week. We, we get great guests. And if you're a hockey fan, I think you'll like that. That's uh, Vegas hockey hotline. And that is from one to two Pacific time at KSHP.com. 
Always great to chat with Brian Blessing. Again, Sportsbook Radio, Vegas Hockey Hotline, the two programs you can hear him on, as well as hearing him here every Tuesday on ATS Radio, at Brian Blessing on Twitter. Brian, appreciate the time as always, man. Thank you so much. Get warmed up before you and I record your show. And, uh, we'll talk well, to you again next week. I'm not going to get warm, but I am going to heat up the coffee. There you go. There you go. Thanks, There's- bud. But we'll tell you, we look forward to having you on the show today. That's uh, when we finish this, we're starting another one. <laughs> yes, sir. Absolutely. Once again, that's Brian Blessing, the host of Sportsbook Radio and Vegas Hockey Outline, Sports Grid Radio Network, sportsbookradio.com, kshp.com to hear more of Brian's content. Coming up on our Wednesday edition of ATS Radio, we'll chat with professional better and handicapper Kyle Hunter from huntersportspicks.com. Half college football, half college basketball on tomorrow's show. Thursday, Brad Powers will talk college football and the NFL. Friday, my Circus Sports Million picks for week 15. That'll do it for me. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. And I will talk to you again tomorrow.